Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, the Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Care Services at LCS. You're listening to the Healthcare Highwire. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Highwire. I am Natalie Moore, MDS Specialist, and I'm joined today by Michelle Kramer, Director of Health and Wellness Programming and Post-Acute Specialist. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Natalie. Today, we are here to discuss the requirements for physician certification and recertification. This is an extremely important topic as it has been identified as the number one reason for denial of payment in the SNF. So recently on November 17th, the president announced that the Medicare fee-for-service estimated improper payments declined by $15 billion since 2016. This reduction is a result of CMS's steadfast efforts to identify the root causes of improper payments, implement action plans to reduce and prevent improper payments, and extend the agency's capacity to address emerging areas of risk through work groups and intra-agency collaboration. It is largely due to efforts with skilled nursing facility claims, which saw a $1 billion reduction an estimated improper payments in the last year due to a policy change related to the supporting information for physician certification and recertification for skilled nursing facility services, as well as CMS's targeted probe and education efforts. So improper payments represent payments that don't meet program requirements, whether intentional or otherwise, and they contribute to inaccurate spending of American tax dollars, but are not all representative of fraud. Rather, improper payments may be overpayments or underpayments, or even payments where sufficient insufficient information was not provided to determine whether a payment is proper or not. Yes, and I know it's very important to note that CMS has developed a program integrity strategy to modernize the agency's approach to reducing the improper payment rate while protecting its programs from future generations. They want to stop those bad actors. CMS works with those law enforcement agencies to crack down on bad actors who have defrauded federal health programs. And Natalie, did you know that they want to prevent this fraud rather than the expensive and inefficient pay and chase model? CMS prevents and eliminates fraud, waste, and abuse on the front end by proactively strengthening vulnerabilities before they are a problem. I love that pay and chase model. So in response to this announcement and to continue to keep the risk of denial down, let's review the top reason for denial when it comes to physician certifications, recertifications, and that delayed cert. I know this has been a topic lately on community audits and third-party consultants. So Michelle, what are the most common denial reasons that CMS has identified? Well, we have seen multiple audit results listing the lack of certification and recertifications present in the electronic medical record. If this is true, these are technical denials and cannot be appealed. So the most common denial reasons that we have seen from CMS include the certifications are not signed and dated timely by the physician, and that certification did not indicate the need for daily skilled care. So for recertifications, the top issues are they're left blank, they're not signed and dated timely by the physician, they do not include supporting documentation to support ongoing daily need for skilled services, 
And they don't specify the duration or how long it's recommended that the resident needs to continue these skilled services. And they typically aren't supporting all the skilled services like the speech language pathology services. So with the delayed certifications, they're again, not complete and they don't support the covered dates of the stay and or what skilled services the resident's receiving. Yes, yes. We see that all the time with that delayed cert. And I've also noticed that within the last year, we have seen that the ADR documentation that is sent, the very first thing that is reviewed is the Medicare cert. And the rest of the packet is not even looked at or considered if that Medicare cert was not filled out correctly. The claim is just automatically denied. So let's get into how to properly fill out those certs. Michelle, what are the initial certification requirements? So Natalie, specifically, certifications must be present in the medical record. That's the biggest thing. The date of the signature should be no later than 72 hours after admission. So the physician and or the nurse practitioner or certified nurse specialist can sign that certification. It must state the need for daily skilled services. That's really important. Oh, yes, for sure. That word daily must was just added in recent years. So everybody, please be sure that you're looking in your electronic health record or if you're still using a paper cert and make sure that correct statement, which includes the phrase daily skilled services is present. So once that initial cert is filled out and the Medicare cert becomes a little more complex, Michelle, do you want to go over the recertification requirements? Absolutely, Natalie. So in the recertification, all required recertifications for the stay must be timely. They must be complete and they must be dated and signed by the physician or nurse practitioner. This is really important. The first recertification must be signed and dated on or before day 14. It can actually be signed on the same date as the certification. Subsequent recertifications are signed and dated on or before 30 days for the physician's signature date on prior recertifications. So the recertification needs to indicate the reason for skilled care, for instance, that the resident requires PT five days a week for gait training or nursing for wound care for a stage three or four pressure ulcer, maybe sterile dressing changes or observation and assessment of post-pneumonia status or just information on tube feeding. There needs to be documentation regarding the estimated length of stay too. So for example, maybe two weeks or 30 days. In addition, we need to include a statement regarding what are the plans for post-sniff care? Is it gonna be home health? Does the resident require outpatient or other long-term care placement? It is critical that we indicate that the need for continued skilled nursing care is related to the inpatient hospitalization or arose while being treated in the SNF. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for simplifying that. That becomes pretty complicated. So many times the Medicare cert is overlooked and communities just do not understand why the certifications and recertifications are required. Could you elaborate on that for us? Definitely. So certifications and recertifications support the requirement of evidence of a physician involvement. That's the big thing. The documentation by the physician also is their approval of that plan of care. The only way we can demonstrate this to CMS is by having a complete 
and timely physician signature and date on the certification and recertifications. It is also important to know that the physician signature and date on the certification and recertification is required before the facility can bill Medicare. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's extremely important that a member of the IDT audits the accuracy of those Medicare certs for the triple check meeting prior to billing. Now let's switch gears and get into a subject that's fairly new. With the implementation of PDPM came the new interrupted stay policy. Michelle, how does the interrupted stay policy affect the Medicare physician certification schedule? That is a great question, Natalie. The existing requirements governing level of care certification and recertification timeframes are tied to a beneficiary's SNF admission. It is a beneficiary if a beneficiary is discharged from the SNF or from the covered Part A stay and then resumes covered SNF care within the interrupted window, the subsequent resumption would not be considered a new admission and thus would not trigger a new certification or recertification schedule. But if the variable per diem adjustment schedule picks up from first non-covered day because the resident stay meets the criteria for an interrupted stay and is a continuation of the previous day, so does the CERT and research schedule. So if the variable per diem adjustment schedule restarts on day one because the resident stay does not meet the requirements for an interrupted stay, then we need to start the new CERT and research schedule over as well. I am so happy you're able to clarify this as this has been a source of confusion for many of us, which brings me to my next question. What should we do in the event that we either forget to complete the Medicare certification or the provider was out on vacation or maybe missed a scheduled visit and that cert did not get signed on time? Great question. That is when a delayed certification can be used. So the delayed certification can be used when the physician is unable to sign and date the certification or recertification timely. The delayed certification should only be used as an exception, not a common practice. It needs to include an explanation of the delay as well as a medical and or other evidence that is relevant for the explanation for that delay. There needs to be documentation regarding the time frame the delayed certification is covering. And it is good to note that a delayed certification and recertification may appear in one statement. Yeah, that is really good to know. One other thing I just want to mention is that that blanket statement we used to use for the reason for the delay being an quote-unquote inadvertent oversight is no longer being accepted by the MAX. They really want to see a specific reason. So, for example, the previous example I made of a provider being on vacation or missed a scheduled visit And then before we wrap up, Michelle, would you go over some strategies for success when it comes to the certifications and recertifications to make sure we are all meeting the timeliness and documenting what is necessary on those physician certs? I would suggest that teams review all physician certifications and recertifications at the Medicare meeting or pre-claim transmission meeting. If the documents are not being signed timely by the physician, you may want to provide training to the physicians to ensure appropriate completion and timely signing and dating of those documents. 
Be sure to review the documents and ensure that all of the information is included in the document prior to physician's signature, especially the need for daily skilled care and specifics on the skilled services and timeframes these services are required. I want to repeat that. So again, it they need to be pre completed prior to the physician's signature because they're signing and verifying that plan of care and those skilled needs and services that we're providing. So remember to review the physician certification and recertification as part of the triple check, just like you said before, Natalie. This is the way and the process to ensure that they are completed appropriately, they're signed and dated timely, and present in that EMR before you're submitting the claim to Medicare. This way, we will reduce the potential risk of technical denials and get reimbursed timely for the services we provide. Yeah, that's a lot of great information. Michelle, thank you so much for simplifying all of that. I know when we talk about the Medicare cert, it seems simple enough, but I don't think people realize it, it is pretty complicated. So I appreciate all the information. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me today to discuss this very important topic of physician certifications and recertifications. Thanks so much for having me, Natalie. This has been a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Until next time. Legal disclaimer, Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast. Mm-hmm.